Join us on Happy Looming, where we come together to talk about looms, yarn, and the joy of creating. Hello, loomers. Welcome to Happy Looming. This is Christy. And I'm Janae. And today we are interviewing Renee Van Hoy, which we are so excited to have her on our podcast today. Um, Renee has been working in the loom knitting community for lots of years, and she's actually had quite a number of careers. She's a retired attorney, and she was an English language specialist and taught English to children um, from over 21 different countries. And that's a very cool thing. Um, the past 11 years, Renee has been a luminate pattern designer and she specializes in writing accessible patterns. And she's been helping companies, software developers, magazines, and designers in both loom knitting, needle knitting, and crochet to create um, accessible content. So today, that's what we're gonna talk about, accessible content and how it is useful and how we can create it. So, Renee, what are accessible patterns? If you could just let us know what that is. Oh, well, thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your new podcast series. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Accessible content uh, in the way I'm working with it is um, documents that are accessible to people with print challenges and to people who are blind and use uh, screen reader software, which is a special type of software that reads a document aloud. Um, and the patterns that we're talking about are being specially written and formulated to work for these for a large population of people. So what made you begin writing accessible patterns? Well, I started writing them because I'm legally blind. And actually, my whole life, I've had uh, challenges. I was, was dyslexic. I had a neurological disorder that uh, made it very hard for my eyes to track together. Um, I lost my sight later on in life. And so um, I wrote, ex when I started designing, I was totally blind. And I was writing accessible patterns because that was the only way I could see them. And uh, I kept writing them that way for that reason, but also because I found um, people were writing to me and saying, we really like these patterns. They're very easy to use. And um, it dawned on me that this was a good way to present them, that people liked my patterns. And if you've ever, if anyone's ever used any of my patterns, they'll, they'll have noticed that they seem a little on the plain side and the text is, is big, but um, no one's ever complained that it was hard to use. So <laughs> that's why I So who it. can use the accessible patterns? Well, anyone can use an accessible pattern. Um, it's the, so I don't write um, every so often when I do, uh, I write in patterns and I write uh, ebook collections. When I do my ebook collections, I always include what's called a print, um, a print saver pattern or a paper saver pattern in a small text. It's a, just a small text version um, so that people who want to print it out and don't need the, the larger format can do that without using up so much ink. But for the most part, anyone can use that. And, and I've all these years that I've been writing, I've always written in this accessible format. So it doesn't stop anyone from using it, but it particularly helps a large population of people. Um, it can help people who have uh, learning disabilities such as dyslexia. That's one of the more common ones that we hear about, but it can also help people who have processing disorders, who have difficulty looking at print and understanding it. Um, and, and, and the larger format that we use in a clearer format takes that a lot of that 
processing order makes it a little easier for things to work out, especially for a technical document. You know, a pattern is a technical document. We write it with a lot of abbreviations, a lot of numbers and letters, and we're not writing it in text necessarily. And the more text we can put back in or the clearer we can make that technical document easier to see, it's going to be easier for other people to use. Um, the aging population also, someone with cataracts, someone with macular degeneration, or someone who has had um, diabetes and perhaps is beginning to lose their vision would benefit from these patterns. Um, yeah. So what, um, I, I, I would love for you to kind of explain, like, what font is used? What size font is used? I mean, what makes an accessible pattern accessible versus not accessible? Well, you know, there hadn't necessarily been a standard. And then a couple of years ago, Ravelry um, put in a search tag for what they called a low vision pattern. And and there isn't really a low vision isn't a diagnosis, but it's kind of been what a lot of people call these patterns. Um, and a low, so what there, then they didn't have a, a definition for it. So I started an accessible patterns group on Ravelry. We had a lot of discussion. And of course, I, I put had a lot of input then too. And then I went back to Ravelry and said, here's what I think are the most important things. Um, and this is kind of what they made, uh, the what we could, I would consider the minimum standard for the accessible patterns. And this is what for somebody who has print challenges. And that pattern is going to have uh, 22 to 24 point font. I really, I like 24 point font, but a lot of designers had already written patterns by the time we did this in 22 point fonts and we didn't want to lose those patterns. So we've, we've got that range of 22 to 24 point font, which is a nice large font. It really works well for most people. It needs to be all black, fully saturated black, uh, it, no italics, uh, and, and it needs to be in what we call sans serif font, which is um, many fonts have what we call little flags on them is the way I describe it. And that can make it difficult to read. And so we look for a sans serif font. And the two that uh, I usually recommend to designers is one is Arial and the other is Verdana. Those are the two that are, are the most, for most people work very well. Um, and, uh, and then the big one, the big the big thing that they have to be is that they have to be fully written out directions, which means that even if the chart had a pattern, uh, excuse me, the pattern had a chart, that the directions have to be written out in addition to the chart so that the pattern can be made without relying on the chart. And so that that actually adds another category of people who can use these patterns, which is our people who, who feel they can't read a chart well can use these. So you had talked to me before about how when people um, get books from the Center for the Blind or they and they are these basically these books get read when it comes to a chart, it those programs just stop. Is that that basically what happens generally? Exactly. They're just a, if it's even if it's a Braille translation or a, a, a conversion or a conversion into audio. They'll just read the book as it was written. There's no effort to um, actually um, change the formatting of the pattern or add in those directions. And so that's been a frustration for blind knitters in particular who use screen readers who are going to read a very literal uh, reading of this or listen to it in audio. And that was the frustration I found early on when I started looking for patterns is you, you didn't have, you either had a very... Um, 
difficult reading of those patterns. It was hard to understand them when they were read or read in, in Braille in particular, but also that they just included the pattern exactly it was done. And so the work I've been doing in the last couple of years with designers is to encourage them to take this extra step, make sure that the patterns actually work. And even if they'll go even further than the, the list I just gave you of the basics is to make it read clearly with on a, with someone who's using screen reader software. And, a, and that's a program that runs usually on your computer that reads aloud the document for you. When you talked about that, I, I thought about how sometimes you can have your text messages read, like your phone will read them or the car uh, will read your text message for you and how a lot of times it will mess up words or not really understand like um, a knit two together is often K-T-O-G and a screen reader would probably not really get that correct. And so as a as a designer, that's really important to understand that a lot of those abbreviations that we use that are very common um, won't translate well through a screen reader. That's correct. And, and that's a great example. And it gets even, um, it gets even trickier because many screen readers are, uh, are, have uh, a programmed to read uh, abbreviations. So when they say P, when they see, especially a lowercase P, they'll read it as page. So when you have P2, okay. they'll read it as page two. So you have to make sure it's a capital P. Uh, or if they see ST, often um, that's the abbreviation for stitches, the screen reader will read that as a street. Oh. So, there's, so there's lots of little tricks. Yeah. Think, yeah, and things you just wouldn't think about if you weren't creating these. That is exactly. fascinating. Exactly. So so that that's how I became an accessibility specialist. Um, one of the projects that I'm working on right now that I'm really excited about is I'm working with um, a knitting magazine. And they are committed to creating a fully accessible issue and going forward. Their next issue is going to be fully accessible, including screen reader accessible, 100% of their content. That's wonderful. How can people learn how to write these accessible patterns and documents? Um, there's a number of resources. Um, if you're still able to use Ravelry, the Accessible Patterns group on Ravelry, I've created group pages there that have kind of this basic standard. Um, and so that's a lot of people start there if you want to just get your get your toes wet at writing um, kind of that minimum, the pattern I was just describing, that kind of minimum accessible pattern for mm -hmm. somebody with print challenges. And there's a little bit um, more on the, also there about for screen readers, some tips for writing a better screen reader pattern. And then um, if you want to really get a little more into it, um, I have a project called the Accessible Patterns Index. And to support that project, I created, I gave a class, a live Zoom class to a number of designers last July. We recorded that class and I've made it available along with um, a PDF with lots of information support that goes with the class. And that that really gives it a huge amount of information, especially more about screen reader patterns. And that's um, sold for $20 to support the index, the Accessible Patterns Index. Let's talk about the Accessible Patterns <laughs> Index. So I know that you are creating that with another designer. Um, can you tell us a little more about this project? Well, this is this is my passion. This is my baby. So I'm I'm really glad you asked. Um, we 
we'd been working on creating these patterns for the last few years with with other designers I'd been and uh, then we realized that Ravelry made some changes recently that made it basically inaccessible, especially to people using screen readers. So we had the situation of we've been indexing the patterns onto Ravelry and and that's where they're located. You know, if you wanted to go find them, you've got and a database is no longer accessible. So it, it occurred to me we have to have a database outside of Ravelry. Um, that will let us have all these patterns. And, and this is the other issue. I was going out to designers and saying, write these patterns. And they're going, well, why should we? No one will ever find them. So um, I uh, I created the, the index. Um, I found another wonderful designer named Nikki Jensen, who um, came to me and said, let me help you with this. And so she was the um, person who put together the website for me um, and, and, and its structure and tutored me on how to enter uh, the patterns in there. And we've got the foundation of it together. All the designers are in there and we're slowly adding in each of their patterns as well. But I'm also adding in all the books that are in the um, National uh, Library Service here in the U.S., as well as um, some other um, locations like Bookshare and uh, Horizons for the Blind that produce um, produce books in, in lots of other formats, in Braille and in digital Braille and, and in digital audio. Now, those books are the ones that we talked about before where they're not altered in any way. It's just the original. But at least we have them. They're still a resource for many people, especially people who um, are partially sighted and perhaps need some, can listen to, to to make some understanding better than somebody who's just using a screen reader. So we're putting all of those into the Accessible Pattern Index. And it's being funded by mostly by small donations. And so far, we've got the first three years paid for. My goal is to get five years in the bank. That's <laughs> wonderful. You know, and 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 have it, let it have its own little trust fund going forward because I want it to be there. Um, as a matter so how of fact, people support. How can people support you and and help fund this? Uh, incredible database? Uh, if you go to accessiblepatternsindex.com, uh, we have a support us link there, and that'll take you to our Ko-Fi page. Ko-Fi is kind of fun. It's buy us a coffee. It's a $3 donation. Of course, you can donate more if you want. And if you're interested in learning how to write accessible patterns, you can buy the class uh, there as well. It's linked there as well. That is so wonderful. What an amazing um, project that you are working on. And so many things like that I didn't realize about um, the screen readers, um, what you talked about before, like they don't read parentheses. They don't read um, commas or brackets. I mean, you have to actually add extra commas so that they'll stop and take a breath so that right. it will. No, it, yeah. Commas, commas, they're pretty good at, but other things they're not necessarily. And and here's the other thing is that um, people who are blind are often on dis disability. They're, they're a hugely underemployed population. And so they tend to be working with old, perhaps with older software. And so there there's all levels of software that they might be using. And so they all read at a different rate. So it's the, the more, the more clearly you can write the pattern, the more text you can put back into it, the more widely it will be understood when it's read. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that you said earlier in a in a previous conversation, um, <laughs> even even the the little comma symbol for inches, you would want to type out the word inches. So, like you said, pulling back in more text and not uh, symbols or italicized or 
abbreviations. Abbreviations yeah. like, you know, repeating a pattern. Yeah, pattern repeats and things like that. Pattern repeats can be tricky because uh, most screen readers will ignore the asterisks. Um, some will read it, but a lot of them just ignore it altogether. So if you have uh, somebody writing a pattern repeat between two asterisks and then it says repeat to end, that's ignored. So the um, the person using a screen reader who's listening without any sight is not going to catch that that was a repeat. So you have to, what I have uh, my designers do is add in begin repeat colon, then the repeat is listed. And then when it ends, it says repeat to end or repeat to last five stitches, however it's going to be done. And that gives you a very clear screen reader pattern. It's a lot of work. And um, that the other thing I would say when you asked about supporting, uh, I would I would love if people go and look at the Accessible Patterns Index, even if they're not necessarily interested in the patterns for themselves, but see who the designers are and support those designers in general, even if it's just telling them that you love that they're writing accessible patterns, it would be wonderful because they work uh, in a vacuum. They don't necessarily know that people are using their patterns or appreciating what they're doing. So it would be great if they could hear that from people. Well, and also, oh, sorry, I'm talking over you. Okay, Janae, you go first. Well, right now I'm on the site and I see that you have over 140 designers listed, which is absolutely wonderful. And I think that the more people that know about this and the more people that write designs and patterns would be incredibly excited to join this and how would a how would a designer go about getting their patterns made into accessible patterns and then entered into the database so there's a couple of ways they could do it um if they really don't want to do it themselves they can come to somebody like me i'm an accessibility specialist or it's kind of like a tech editor for and i can i can help them do that i mean that's something that they could do but i think most designers um are willing to give it a try themselves and um and so they can they can do a couple of things they could go to the if they're still able to go to ravelry they can can look at the accessible patterns group and we have that group page that gives them um some good information to get started from and then they could come and have me, let's say, review the pattern. They could buy the class, which would be wonderful because that supports the index. And that includes a free pattern review from me. So they can they can buy that class. They can write up the pattern and then send it to me. And I'll look over it and give them lots of feedback till we get it in the perfect shape. You know? And then all That's of the patterns that are in the index have been reviewed by you. That's kind of like it goes through that reviewing process and then is added. Um, the, I don't always see the entire pattern, but they're reviewed to make sure that they meet this minimum standard that, that I was talking about. And we list that on the page. So there's an accessibility statement. So we tell you what this designer is doing so that we that's how we know that it meets the standard. And I do the same thing on Ravelry. I'm actually um, been made the special editor for the accessible patterns on Ravelry. So I go through and check every single entry that comes in and make sure that the designer has met these standards and that they've put a statement on the page so that the person looking at the pattern, whether it's free or purchased pattern, by the way, I make this happen. You can look in the pattern notes and see that the pattern has these features and if they're going to work for you. And that Ravelry group, I, I just looked it up just now. It's um accessible patterns, parenthetical, designers and makers. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, perfect. 
so wonderful. I am so excited that um, you're, this is a passion that you have and that you're introducing it to us through this podcast. I'm so grateful. I'm curious about what you would say to somebody who has never knitted or crocheted or anything, but has these visual challenges um, to encourage them to do something new like this. And oh, oh, do a oh, don't let it stop you. Um, I'll share with you that I didn't start knitting until I was in the hospital and had just lost my sight. Um, that's when I actually started knitting <laughs> and it was loom knitting. So, cause I'd also had, um, had, was having trouble with my hands. And so there's no reason it should stop you uh, from crafting being uh, whether you're crocheting or knitting or loom knitting that is having lost your sight is no reason that you can't create beautiful things. I um, often hang out with a wonderful group over at Google groups called the blind stitchers. And um, I'm glad I found them very early on when I'd lost my sight and, and they were just such a wonderful uh, people and encouragement to me because they did amazing things and uh, they talk each other through a lot of stuff because the patterns are very limited for, for people who um, are using screen readers in particular. So, you know, now we're building up this wonderful database for them, but in recent years, it, there hasn't been much. As a matter of fact, um, in the UK, uh, one of our members from the uh, Accessible Patterns Group checked and said that when they converted their books over to digital format recently, to digital audio, they eliminated all of their pattern books from the <gasps> database. And what was very interesting is when we um, started the Accessible Patterns Index, um, one of, uh, I have a friend who saw it and, and, and heard about it and thought it was a great thing. So she wrote to the UK um, Library, National Library Service, their version of it, and told them about it. And they came and look, looked at it and said, can we share this link with our members? Because they thought it was a great thing. So this is, is an international effort, um, you know, that these patterns are available, at least in the English speaking world. It'll, it'll be pretty exciting. That is so wonderful. So please um, go to accessiblepatternsindex.com and if you can support their cause and definitely support all of these designers that are trying to make more accessible patterns for the loom knitting and knitting and crocheting community. What an amazing thing. And we're so glad, Renee, that you could come and join us today. So till next time, happy looming. Bye.